0: What is going on, everybody? I'm Jeff St. Pierre, and this is episode 112 of the Adult Education Podcast. This week, I'm speaking with Dr. Alyssa Eppel. Thank you so much for checking out my show. I do appreciate you taking some time out of your day to listen to adult education. This show is all about learning new things or maybe learning more about some topics you're already familiar with. I like to speak with experts across all fields to learn more about health, education, technology, mental health, and really just about anything that I find interesting. If you'd like to support adult education, the best way to do so is to leave a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. I love how word of mouth can inspire new people to check out the show. It really is the most powerful way to spread the message of adult education. So my goal for dropping a new episode each week in 2023 has already failed. <laughs> yeah, I made it uh, a week. Yes, one week. Uh, but I've got a good reason for that. I didn't just skip it. I had surgery last week to repair an umbilical hernia. I knew that I, I wouldn't be feeling great for a couple of days, but I figured I'd still be able to finish an episode. Yeah, that was before the surgery. I didn't realize... Although, in retrospect, I probably should have, I didn't realize I'd have a breathing tube in during the surgery. That gave me a pretty gnarly sore throat for a couple of days. Also, I didn't realize how uncomfortable talking would be. I didn't understand how much just, like, basic talking went through my core. At any rate, I had to sit out last week and just focus on getting better. I am doing a lot better now, still not 100%, but I'm getting there. I'm good enough now, though, that I can rock this podcast episode for you, though, and I think it's a good one to kick off the year. I'm speaking with Dr. Alyssa Eppel. She's a health psychologist who studies stress, aging, and obesity. Dr. Eppel is also the director of UC San Francisco's Aging Metabolism and Emotion Center. There's a longer resume here if you want to look her up, but trust me when I say she knows her stuff. Dr. Eppel has just published a book called The Stress Prescription, Seven Days to More Joy and Ease. Now, for me, learning how to manage stress in my life is the number one thing to help get to a happier life. Stress impacts so many aspects of our lives. Now, some may try to tell you to remove stress from your life. That's just not realistic, nor is it healthy. Stress is a totally normal thing. It's about managing it and understanding it. Alyssa Apple's book helps walk us through ways we can do that. Quick heads up for context purposes here. At the start of the conversation, Dr. Apple references the old name of this podcast, which was Be More Well. I booked this interview through a publicist. Uh, they must have just had the old name still in their paperwork, so no biggie here. But I wanted to explain that just in case we have newer listeners who didn't know about the beginnings of the adult education podcast. We do talk a little bit about the evolution of this podcast over the last couple of years. So anyway, here's my conversation with Dr. Apple. How are you today?
1: I'm good, no- Nice to meet you, Jeff. Where are you
0: Yeah, I'm here in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. So where are you at right now?
1: I am in San Francisco.
0: Okay, so they make you do the radio tour from the West Coast. So you've been up since what, like three o'clock this morning? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you and me both. My primary job is hosting a morning radio show. So I also have been up since three o'clock. It's just been a little bit different for me, I suppose.
1: (laughs) Yeah, wow. Well, tell me about your Be More Well. Who is your audience and... Yeah, that's a great
0: question. Um, I I don't necessarily know. I mean, I, I love to look at the statistics and see that there are people that check it out from all over the world. Um, mm-hmm. I find that very exciting. I did. Um, I, I'm sure if you use social media, you saw everybody posting their Spotify wrapped statistics of their songs. They listen to the most and everything. Well, they do that for mm-hmm. podcasts, too. And I listened and I, I checked mine out. And apparently the podcast does pretty well. It's in the top 15 percent. Um, in oh the world, God. so I felt pretty successful wow. about that. You know, it's it's you a passion project build, for me.
1: That's amazing! Congratulations! That is a very competitive market. So, well, I'm honored to be on it.
0: Oh well, well, thank you very much. <laughs> well, Indeed. I'm honored to have you. <laughs>
1: thank you. And do you, does be more well mean that you focus on health?
0: So it's funny. I that's the name of the podcast when I first started because yes, my goal was to was to focus more on wellness and more health-inspired things. But then over time, I started this in 2020, over time I started to find myself getting a little, um, I don't know, I was kind of getting annoyed with the wellness industry as a whole. I started to find there were too many people, and this is something that I wanted to talk to you about, where it was like all or nothing, you know, like stress, for example, which is what we're going to talk about with you there's a lot of us that can live with stress and managing stress and stress is a natural part of our life. But I started to find the wellness community was pushing things like you need to live a life without stress. And I'm like, I just don't think that's realistic. Like, I don't think that's good advice to people. I, so I changed the name to adult education and really it's just my way of talking to people like yourself and, you know, people that are experts in other fields and really just get an opportunity to learn more about things. Cause when we become adults and we leave the classroom, I feel like so many of us just kind of, stall out in our learning process. And I love to find out new information. So I I selfishly do the podcast for that. So I get to talk to people like you and learn more about stress and how I can deal with that and how I can manage it and make it a better part of my day. Uh,
1: That's so beautiful. I agree. We need more adult education. (laughs) There's so many important life topics that we leave out. We can't fit in. Emotional well-being is certainly one of those. We haven't learned much about our ability to deal with the slings and arrows that are inevitably coming at us. We can't get rid of stress in our environment, in our life, in our future. We can only live with it well. And so how can we change our relationship to stress so we're not viewing it as the enemy, bracing against it, trying to change things that we can't change?
0: I think that's the big thing is learning to live with so many things in this life. Like instead of just saying, we're going to remove it all together, we learn how to manage it or to live with it or do it better. You know? And I, I think there's so many people, like I said, that just want to be all or nothing. And that's just not realistic in our world.
1: Mm -hmm. And in fact, to get rid of stress would mean to really disengage Mm. from most things in life that we care about because part of stress is that it's fueled by our deep caring, our caring about our world, about other people, about ourselves. When things are threatened, we have a big stress response. So withdrawing and trying to be super protective of ourselves to reduce stress is actually related to less, lower levels of life satisfaction and well-being and lower cognitive function in studies by my colleague Dave Almeida at Penn State.
0: It's so interesting, you know, you kind of take yourself out of the world. I mean, we hear this all the time, especially when the pandemic hit, we started to learn a lot more about how how much we are social beings and how important those social connections are for people. So this idea of like taking yourself out to remove something like stress and just kind of, I don't know, removing yourself from the situation, it can be so much more harmful to you than just learning how to manage that stress.
1: Absolutely. And one of the most potent ways to help manage stress is through social connection And so really stepping back and looking at our social connections is one important way we can see where we are supported and where we're actually exposed to a lot of stress or conflict or feelings that were not valued or appreciated. So social relationships are complex. And one thing that older people do is they they kind of do pruning in their social networks so that they're really focusing on fewer relationships, Mm. but more positive and supportive relationships.
0: That's good, I like the way you put that. It may be fewer, but it's more positive and more stable probably at the same time. So those relationships, while there may not be as many, can be stronger and maybe even be more beneficial. Exactly. So interesting, and I I know going back to stress is a natural thing, it's the reason we're still here today. I mean, if we didn't have stress thousands of years ago when humans evolved from primates, we wouldn't be alive. Like, stress is what kept people alive. And at the same time, our bodies haven't necessarily adjusted at the same pace as technology and the world that we live in. So stress has changed a lot, and we don't necessarily react to it the same way, or we don't necessarily handle it the way that we should.
1: Exactly. You've nailed it. And it it's very much about um I love the book on stress by Robert Sapolsky, why zebras don't get ulcers. They have intense survival threats and stress. And then they're in nature, um, living their life. They're not ruminating about what happened and the close call or worrying about the future. And we as humans, we just carry it around with us wherever we go. We carry stress to the bed and It can affect our sleep. And I I don't just mean the worries that we have and the ruminations. I mean unconscious stress. We actually carry stress in our body that we might not even be aware of.
0: Yeah, unconscious stress is a very interesting thing because I've heard you talk about this before. And that could be something as simple as just having your phone sitting there and you feel this innate stress to check it, make sure you don't have a new email, see if somebody commented on your last Instagram post, whatever it may be. There's this unconscious stress of just simply having a device like that.
1: Yes, it's a great example of how our environment triggers in our environment are shaping our stress level. They can also be shaped to create feelings of safety and ease so the phone is most definitely taking up some of our attention we might feel compulsive urges to check it and you know as we many of us have heard it does show that we have shallower conversations mm-hmm. when the phone is present so it so these these cues are affecting us being in urban environments that's just full of stress cues. We are more vigilant. And the neuroscience studies show our amygdala reacts even more when we are raised in urban environments or currently live there versus rural environments. Nature, nature taking a nature walk is associated with a lower stress response in the brain, lower amygdala activity. So we're responsive to all sorts of environments that we're not even aware of, but we can use that for good. We can create more safe environments, have a corner of a room or a whole room devoted to more sensory and safety cues, beauty, no phones, <laughs> TV screens, etc. Lots of people have a corner of their house. Maybe there's an altar or a religious picture. Maybe it's somewhere that they pray, but the body gets conditioned to these cues. And so we really want to use sensory cues For good to help us shift from a red mind state down toward a green or blue mind state.
0: Tell me more about these colors, because I've heard you mention that before too, and that's something that I'm a little unfamiliar with.
1: Well, we I know that's
0: a trick question.
1: (laughs) No, no, it's a lot to explain. But uh with my colleague Alexandra Croswell and other colleagues, we've written a paper that's under review. And you can find the preprint on my website under the resources for the book. We really go in depth about understanding mind states and simply the question of why do so many of the contemplative practices, the mind body practices, all produce these great effects on our emotional well being, on our levels of stress? And there's a common state that they bring us to of slower breathing. And we also have to feel safe to enter those states. So we call those deep rest states. That's blue mind. Okay. The other mental states that we spend more time in is red mind when we're acutely activated or coping with stress and yellow mind when we are walking around for most of our rushed day, but we're not. Ba- we're not at baseline. We're not really relaxed. We're actually in a state we call cognitive load where we're in our head where we're planning or rushing or absorbing what just happened or thinking about the next thing. So that yellow mind state, we wanna bring that down to a green mind state or a blue mind state so that we can have breaks, so that we can have restoration in the middle of our day. And that turns out to be rejuvenating versus the chronic stress response, which is really taxing on our energy, our mitochondria which create the energy the atp
0: and the rejuvenation is such an important piece of this i I learned a little bit more about this a few years back when i saw uh, a new doctor and an integrative health doctor and we did blood tests and all the different tests for me to like check out what's going on in my body and we did cortisol tests and we found that my cortisol levels were just completely backwards of where they should be And a lot of that has to do with stress that I was carrying, but also the weird schedule that I have. I don't get normal sleep patterns like most people do. Um, So we're trying to manage that a little bit and figure that out. But I was learning more about how my body was just essentially on all day long. Like I never had that break, that rejuvenation, that rest. And that is just so wildly important.
1: Ah, oh, that's such a great example, and you you have that occupational hazard of need, needing to be up in the wee hours, and that definitely can wreak havoc on those hormonal systems that have this daily or diurnal rhythm. So, what have you done to reduce your own stress?
0: I've I've been very conscious of the extra work that I take on, uh, very conscious of what of how my day is going to shape out. Cause I used to just basically wake up at three o'clock in the morning and work until I went to bed. Like I was always connected. I would answer every email, answer every phone call, I've done really, I've made great strides in making sure my coworkers and people understand that I'm taking time off during each day. Uh, you can't contact me during this period, yada, yada. I've tried to work in better sleep habits. I have a two-year-old now, so that's not working great in my favor uh, for <laughs> sleeping. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I've made a lot of strides and a lot of efforts to just limit how available I am to people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are all great boundary-setting examples that allow us to then shift down toward green and blue mind without setting those boundaries. There's no way we can turn off, you know, just that always being plugged in that you talked about. Yeah. That's most of us. It's really hard to hide our phone or take breaks from it, but it's so essential. It's so important.
0: Yeah and you know it's interesting because we're we're plugged in all the time whether we want to or whether we not we don't want to we just always hear what's going on around us you know there was a time where stress may have been a really long to-do list for the day or having to get all the corn out of the field in one day and that was stressful to people but now It's learning about environmental hazards across the world, or some governor of some state is doing something that you disagree with. And these are things that you might not necessarily have known about before. So it was stress that was there, but it wasn't in your world. Now you're constantly connected to it, whether you want to be or not.
1: Jeff, I'm so glad you brought that up and you described it so well. That is part of our new era. Hmm. We need a new mindset for coping with this era where we are not just dealing with our personal lives, our daily drama, which was hard enough, but we are dealing with inviting in the existential crises around the world, seeing those visual images from different events, disasters, just seeing the bad news on TV. These get under the skin. TV is like having a front row seat where you're almost there, especially for live events where things are happening in real time. We feel it, we internalize it. And there's been beautiful research by my colleagues, Roxy Silver and Allison Holman, documenting in disaster after disaster, Boston Marathon, 9-11, now COVID, the more we are watching media and the more sources of media, the more we're carrying anxiety having ptsd symptoms even having more heart problems so protecting ourselves from screens and especially from news has become incredibly important
0: it's kind of interesting to hear you talk about that because part of my job on my morning radio show is updating people on you know news briefs and making sure people have the, the the bullet points they need to get through their day and it's so difficult for me every day to log in and look at the stuff that's going on because everybody's just trying to get you to click on their stuff. So it's just so much negativity and so much uh, stressful material that's out there. And it's like when I get home for the weekend, like after Friday shift, I don't even open my computer for the rest of the weekend. Yeah, I'm like, I excellent. don't need any of this for a few
1: days. That is a great strategy. I'm so happy to hear that. People in the news and media, I mean, you guys are really immersed. And so I imagine that's the only way that you can survive. You can't be. You know, you would be so burnt out by now if you felt like you needed to stay connected and you didn't have those weekly breaks.
0: There was a time, like I was talking about before, there was a time before I saw this doctor a few years ago where it was a couple years of my life where I just, everything was going wrong. Like my, I was a pretty active uh, you know, a fairly physical fit person. I hit 35 years old and it's like my body just shut off. And I, I was able to track it back to a change in my position at work and just more more responsibilities, more expectations. And that's what I had to go back and, and kind of start to limit things and make people understand, like, you know, I'm a human being too. <laughs> I've got to yeah. I have to find a way to live my life in an enjoyable way as well.
1: Right. Exactly. Putting on the oxygen mask mm-hmm. um on yourself first. The the different world. Crises that we now live with every day, and the climate crisis, which will get worse. Sure, these are the a big worry here is really how it's affecting our children Mm -hmm. and young adults, and the mental health crisis has hit them much harder than midlife or older adults. And older adults are the most resilient. So there's a lot to think about and learn from here. Why are older people so resilient to stress and depression? that's what the data shows, and how can we protect and 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 help our youth keep a hopeful and positive view of humanity and of their role in the world?
0: Uh, it's a very important thing, and I, I look forward to seeing more research on that. As I said, I have a two-year-old, and uh, there was a time in my life where I wasn't sure if I wanted to have children because I saw so many of the stories and just heard of so many kids that were struggling. And it just seems like, like you said, it's an epidemic out there of mental health issues and, and kids that are really struggling to deal with what's going on in the world. And I was like, I don't do I want to bring a kid into this? But ultimately we mm-hmm. decided to do it. And now I'm I'm just trying to be so active and hoping that we do the right thing to make sure she's prepared uh, as she grows up to, to handle some of these things. Mm-hmm.
1: Really Yes, yes, and you're certainly not alone. And there's a whole movement to not have children from people who are really feeling the the crisis and really the having a negative view of humanity. There was a survey of of young adults showing that fifty over fifty percent of young adults in ten different countries endorse the item: humanity is doomed. And that's incredibly worrisome. I think with young children, parents can, as much as possible, try to, of course, protect them from media and the news when that's possible. When they get to a certain age, it's really hard. Mm. But really helping them understand that how biased that is, that there's so many amazing things happening at every moment in the world that most humans are good and are doing kind acts for other people all the time. We just don't hear about it. It doesn't make the news. I follow um, one um, app called Tank's Good News. And it's just the sweetest and millions of people follow him. It's just sweet stories of humans, of human goodness. And so it lifts my spirits. I always smile when I when I look at that app. So some of the book on stress reducing hips is really focused on the positive, not trying to manage symptoms and stress and daily practices, but really just the shift in our mindset of asking, for example, what am I grateful for? Mm -hmm. Feeling gratitude is an antidote to stress because when we're looking for what we do have, what is good, we can't feel so threatened at the same time. And even just um, sharing gratitude with other people is an antidote to stress expressing caring and love, Mm -hmm. and not hiding it, not not, you know, creating culture of telling people how much we appreciate them, how much we love them. That's contagious. And that sends a lot of messages to our children, for parents even showing physical affection, hugging, and speaking lovingly to each other in front of their kids. That actually is very powerful as well.
0: I'm glad you mentioned the, uh, showing gratitude to something that I changed a few years back, which I'm starting to see and hear a lot more is whenever I get help from someone, I don't just say a quick, thank you. I always say, I appreciate you. And that's how I always do it. And for whatever reason, I I know it seems like a very simple thing, but it does feel better. Like it just feels better. Like you shared how much that person has meant to, to help you in your time of need.
1: Mm -hmm. Beautiful. That's a great practice. You do naturally, and I'm sure other people are influenced by that. You know, it's this, like, ripple effect that we don't realize we have.
0: Well, Dr. Apple, I'm looking at the book right now, and I'm realizing, because we were talking about colors before, there is a color palette, if you will, on the cover of the book that starts with red and ends in blue, and it shifts to the different colors as it goes down. I'm like, oh, this all makes so much more sense to me now after
1: talking about the color. Congratulations, Jeff. <laughs> you noticed it. <laughs> Most people don't notice it, but the cover is really the figure yeah. in the book of trying to explain the state, the mind states we have from red to blue. And none of them are bad. We just don't want to spend so much of our life in the you know, red and yellow mind states. It really dampens everything. It dampens our relationships, dampens our ability to see all of the goodness and beauty and the everyday miracles.
0: I'll I'll tell you one of the things I love about your book, uh, because I am running out of time with you. I spoke with uh, Dr. Prather about his book, The uh, Sleep Prescription, which is kind of part of this three book set that you have here. Um, But I love that all of the tips and advice that you're giving to people are easily manageable. Like there are things that we can all do in our day. There are things that we can work into our, our schedule, like a simple going outside for a walk. Like it seems so simple and it's so helpful to people. And I just love that the book is filled with very, uh, not to downplay it, but very simple advice
1: for folks. Mm, Thank you so much. And I'll just end with one, one of the hacks is really a perspective shift when we're, we can even use this with, um, with youth, but when we are feeling like really down on the state of the world and the risks that we face with climate and all, one of the perspective taking shifts is, is actually realizing that we have a short life, how fast life goes by, how fragile life is. And then it leads us to this question of regardless of how long we live, how do we want to live? Can we be Living the type of life that is the that we value the most—being kind, compassionate, being true to our values, living our purpose—and little else matters as much. It can help shrink the the things, the little stressors that tend to blow up in our mind.
0: That's so important to know. Uh, Dr. Alyssa Eppel, I know you mentioned earlier about your website. Can you give that to people? And if there's anywhere else that people can go to find out more about you?
1: Absolutely. My website is just myname.com. So it's e l i s s -S a e p e l E-L-I-S-S-A-E-P-E-L.com. And I have on that all of our research papers, all the PDFs, um, events and retreats, as well as the two books, The Stress Prescription and The Telomere Effect. And the telomere effect has a lot of free chapters posted on that page in different languages.
0: Well, the book is called The Stress Prescription, Seven Days to More Joy and Ease. Dr. Eppel, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for sharing some of your day with me.
1: Thank you so much, Chef. Your personal examples will help us all.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. Big thank you to Dr. Alyssa Eppel. Her book, The Stress Prescription, Seven Days to More Joy and Ease, is available now wherever you get your books. I genuinely believe this book can help you get through some tough times if stress is a big issue for you. And thank you to all of you for checking out the show. I really hope 2023 is off to a good start for you. Until next time, be well.